Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 2, titled One Night in October. Man, serious missed opportunity talking about this in November and not in October. (laughs) Oh, can you imagine how great of like a cosmic coincidence that would be? Could you imagine how wonderful it would have been to talk about the episode One Night in October on One Night in October? Like, it would have been perfect. It would have been absolutely freaking perfect. But, eh, whatever. Uh, a really phenomenal episode, uh, this is. Like, it, it, I don't know why I went into Yoda speak for a second there. Uh, this is a really phenomenal episode. I think it is very underrated. I think it is very underappreciated. People do not talk about this episode nearly enough. Uh, I think of, at least of the fillers... Of season four, it is definitely one of the best. Uh, this is a really brilliant episode, a really clever episode. Uh, it takes full advantage of this new normal of the universes collaborating with one another via the bridge, uh, building some form of trust between one another. It's it's great. It's a really really fantastic episode. Uh, but before we get into the meat of it. Of course, we all are still in the early days of an alternate timeline. We are still kind of navigating where we are at the moment. Uh, So we have to get into things that are different. (laughs) I hate that that's a regular thing now. I hate that we're doing that every single day. It's the worst. Anyway, uh, we got a lot of things that are different this time around. First off, the big one, uh, Alternate Broyles is still alive here. Uh, he never died in this timeline. He never got brutally chopped up and sent, uh, back to our side. Which, good, great, that guy can still be with his family. That guy can still be doing his thing. That guy can still, uh... Still do some stuff, and it's, uh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful that he gets to live on in this new timeline. Uh, so, there are slight alterations to Olivia's kidnapping. Uh, obviously this time, she never went to the other side. Uh, apparently they came over here and kidnapped her. Uh, and they don't say it in as many words. Walter is very, very clear in how he phrases... They kidnapped her to the other side. Not on the other side, to the other side. Which implies they came over here, kidnapped her, and then made the switch. Like, they were much more proactive in that switch. Uh, And this time, the ruse only lasted two weeks. It didn't last, like, a full eight. Which it lasted in the original timeline. I guess the, the timeline was less complicated. Uh, or rather, the plan was less complicated. There were much less moving parts to it. <coughs> I don't know why. My throat 
My throat just went gammy for a second. I swear it's not COVID. <laughs> I haven't left the house. There's no possible way I could have caught COVID. It's just uh, normal, uh, normal throat bads. Normal, normal throat bads. Anyway. Guess the plan, like, didn't have as many moving parts to it in this timeline. It was just get in, couple weeks, steal the machine deal, get out. Uh, so that, it still happened, but it changed slightly. Uh, Folivia's still dating Frank in this timeline. That gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous man. Alternate timeline, Folivia is much less stupid. <laughs> well, see, she didn't have the meh of Joshua Jackson to tempt her. Because, realistically, anyone with a pulse would have chosen Joshua Jackson over the Adonis <laughs> that was Frank. Clearly, like, Joshua Jackson, notorious lady killer Joshua Jackson, was such a prize that she couldn't stay with the Adonis of Frank on uh, in the original timeline. But now that temptation's gone. That temptation of Joshua Jackson <laughs> is gone. I'm still mad at Olivia for this. She left this Greek god for Joshua Jackson. What is wrong with you? How do you not have eyes? Like, I'm straight entirely. Like, I'm, I'm more into the ladies than the dudes by a lot. But, like, I'm not blind. <laughs> That man is, like, one of the most gorgeous people on planet Earth. Why would you leave him? Why would you give him up for Joshua Jackson? <laughs> I'm still mad at her for that. I am still mad at original timeline Folivia for that. But alternate timeline Folivia is not an idiot. Uh, also... So, apparently, uh, Charlie got married in this timeline and ran off to some tropical land with Bug Lady. Now, to be clear, I, I should mention this is kind of the closing out of an arc that was kind of stewing in the background of Charlie forging a relationship with Bug Lady. Uh, but clearly in this timeline, who was much more advanced, either that or Charlie moves fast. <laughs> like, moves faster than any human being should. Uh, for the sake of my sanity, I'm just gonna chalk this up to alternate timeline stuff and assume that Charlie doesn't, uh, have the quickest timeline of anyone ever to marry someone. Uh, but yeah, he's just, he's gone off with Bug Lady and is having a life in, like, some tropical locale, and everything's good. Everything's good with alternate Charlie Francis, so that's fine. Uh, also, Olivia murdered her stepfather <laughs> in this, in this timeline. Uh, she did not hesitate to pull the trigger. Like, remember, we had that story of, like, uh, young Olivia with the abusive stepfather, uh, she takes the gun, she 
points it at uh, stepfather, but she couldn't finish the job. And then he sort of went away and started sending her birthday cards every year. None of that is the case. She just flat out murdered him. She just flat out killed her stepfather. Okay. Okay. This is... I I can live with this. I can live with this. This is a change that I am okay with. I support alternate Olivia's success. uh, Alternate timeline Olivia's success where original timeline Olivia failed. I, I, I support... I support that retconning. I support that retconning. Oh, and that's it for things that are different. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. And yet I make a I make a decision every day to do that anyway, even though I hate it. I still do it. I still do that intro. I still do that outro. Every single time. I really have no one to blame but myself at this point. But whatever. Anyway, so... This episode has a really, really cool hook. So there is this serial killer in the other universe that is capturing people, sticking this tube in their brain... And sucking out their happiness. He's using this tube, pumping like ultra cooling whatever into their brains and sucking out their happiness. Uh, Because, you know, he has like this feeling of inadequacy, this jealousy that other people live happy lives. And his brain warps that to me must take happiness from people. And then once he's done, um, their brains freeze. Literally. They have literal brain freeze. And they just freeze from the inside out. It's horrific. It really, really is. And the other side and our side form this collaboration where basically they bring over this serial killer's doppelganger. They've identified who it is. They're bringing over this dude's doppelganger Uh, To examine his house and sort of provide insight on this serial killer. They're not going to tell him it's his doppelganger. But he is... Oh, I'm not talking to you, Siri. Shut the the hell up. I activated Siri somehow. I don't know. I don't don't know. I don't know how that happened. Uh, (laughs) Nobody asked you! Uh... So they're bringing this guy to the other side, not telling him he's going to the other side, not telling him anything about this alternate universe, uh, not telling him about doppelgangers or anything like that, but just letting him go. Uh, Because this dude is a professor who studies specifically in serial killers. He is a psych professor who studies specifically in serial killers. So basically, he'll do his profiling work and he'll have the added benefit of Knowing this guy's mind. The hope is that there's like a double advantage. So they bring this guy over. uh, They convince him to do the thing. They bring him over. 
And this whole sequence at the house with this dude profiling, uh, Folivia posing as Olivia, uh, trying to get all the information out of him, and Olivia, like, in the van listening and all of that, and, like, this whole operation, it is so great. It is such a fantastic sequence. I love everything about it, because, like, for whatever reason, see... Here's the thing. I find it very interesting. The Anna Torv did Fringe. They did this episode of Fringe, which dealt specifically in profiling serial killers. And then after Fringe was done, several years later, she went on to star in Mindhunter. A show literally all about profiling serial killers. I find that very, very interesting. Because, like, this scene... Mindhunter is that, but an entire series. It really is. Um, And watching this guy going around, seeing this random stuff, and saying like, oh, uh, he feels this. Uh, This is how his brain... Oh, hit the mic. I apologize for that. Uh, This is how his brain sees things. Uh, He was deprived as a child. Uh, Dinner is important to him. He hunts during the day. Uh, and all that. He has this wall of pictures. He's jealous of their happiness. Uh, he's intelligent. He's fascinated by the brain. Blah, 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 blah. And all of this sort of falls apart when this dude finds a picture of his father. Like a picture of his own father. And then he's like, what the hell? What is going on? Uh, screw you, I'm leaving, and then leaves and runs into real Olivia and an Amber quarantine and realizes that, and is finally told, okay, look, you're in another universe, this is a thing, this is a thing that happens, uh, blah, 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 and they sort of give him alternate universe 101, and then we find out, uh, this guy comes up against, like, an existential crisis that I think is so befitting to something like an alternate universe. Uh, And this is something that Fringe has done well once in a while, at least as a subtle way, at least as an under-the-surface way, uh, if not overtly. But uh, if you like how this serial killer reacts to learning he has a doppelganger on the other universe... I highly recommend watching the series Counterpart. Counterpart is another alternate universe series, and they get super existential with it. They really, really do. Like, they dive deep into the ramifications of, like, meeting your double and having a double on the other side and knowing this information and all of that. Like, that's basically the entire series. But anyway, this guy has, like, an existential crisis of, like, uh, this guy, like, he's me. I could have been this if things had gone a little wrong. Uh, He reveals that he did have, like, this darkness inside of him. He did have these bad thoughts. He did have these tendencies that, as a child, that you see in children that grow up to be serial killers. And then eventually, uh, he had an abusive father that only made it worse. And eventually, he met this woman, Marjorie, who taught him to overcome his darkness, to overcome those thoughts, and to 
essentially not suppress them, but sort of sidestep them, like sort of go around them, if that makes sense. Uh, taught him to take that darkness, find some light in it, and turn it into something constructive, which is how he went from at risk of becoming a serial killer to studying serial killers, to being on the other side of that divide, to being a professor and and into profiling serial killers uh, so he can understand himself better and help the people who are in danger of becoming serial killers, help people who would be victims of would-be serial killers, and all of that. And this dude, seeing the two versions of this dude, it's remarkable. I don't think this show ever did... Okay, well, okay. There's there's an episode coming up that definitely is number one. But this is a close second to the best use of someone coming face-to-face with their doppelganger. This is a close second to that other one that we're going to talk about in a couple weeks. And it's going to be great. And it's one of the best episodes of this entire show. Uh, (laughs) It comes in close second to as, like, best, best use of someone confronting their doppelganger. And we see this whole thing of, like, yeah, I can... I can help this dude. I know this dude. I, I I I am this dude. I can help him. I can teach him what Marjorie taught me and uh, stop what he's doing and show him what he's doing is wrong. Show him there's a better way. And there's like this desperation to like look into this dark reflection and change it. Uh, there's this desperation of the one of these two people who's objectively had a better life. <laughs> There's this desperation to take a twisted mirror and sort of right the ship. See what another you is doing that is very, very wrong and go, hey, we're better than this. And we see this when he sort of escapes and sort of goes off the grid, and so now we're looking for two of this dude. Uh, and of course, another victim gets taken, and by the way, there's like a solid two minutes where we're terrified this dude's gonna take a child. Uh, it ended up being one giant misdirected. They ended up taking this kid's mother. But, oh boy, did they have me going. Oh boy, did they have me going, thinking like, Oh no, they're going to have him do this to a little girl. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Uh, But we have this whole manhunt going on. um, And we know that this dude took a picture of his father. We know that our version of this guy, the professor. I'll call him the professor and the killer from here on out. We know that the professor took a picture of his father. And so we're like, okay, uh... This probably has significance. Like, let's track that farm. Let's track uh, that tractor and all that that's in the photo. And we track it to this one farm. And that's where the killer is. That's where the professor goes to confront the killer. And that is where all of Fringe Division and Olivia and all that go and raid the place. And we find this storm cellar and all that. Uh, While they are searching the grounds 
for where this killer is heading out, we have this meeting between the professor and the killer. Uh, the professor trying to say, like, hey, you can do better, you can do something else, like, you can stop this, you can stop this, you can stop this, and the killer going like, no, 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 this is the only way, this is the only way, this is the only way, this is the only way. Like, there's a... V- and they establish... This is so amazing of them. They establish a very clear fork in the road, uh, which is the carnival. One didn't run and got beaten for three straight days by his abusive father. The other ran and met Marjorie, who then taught him all of this stuff about uh, sidestepping this darkness, finding light in it, and all of that. And... He tries to impart all this wisdom on the killer. The professor tries to impart on this wisdom on the killer. And the killer is just like, so you're saying this Marjorie woman makes you happy. I'm going to steal your happiness. <laughs> Screw this random chick. I'm going to steal yours. And he starts doing this like happiness stealing brain freezing procedure on his own doppelganger. And he does this and he does this. And he pokes at the Marjorie stuff. This like flood of feelings comes in. And at one point he stops. Like right as Fringe Division comes in. He like stops. He walks away. He doesn't do the procedure entirely. It doesn't get to the point of freezing brain. And he starts to have this remorse. Like all of Marjorie's teachings are internalized. And... He starts to have this regret, like, oh, God, what did I do to these people? What did I do to these people? What did I do to these people? And it's so much to him, it's so much for him that he kills himself, like, right in front of Olivia. Like, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing end to that dude's story. It's this amazing climax that I absolutely freaking love. Uh, And then we bring this guy over to our side. He has amnesia. He does not remember Marjorie at all. And there's a lot of fear because everything we see seems to indicate that Marjorie was the only thing keeping him from being a full-blown serial killer. But Olivia talks to this dude, and although he doesn't remember Marjorie, it may, he makes it clear very quickly that he remembers what she taught him. He remembers all that finding light and darkness stuff. He remembers all the stuff he was taught about uh, sidestepping his darker self, about turning that darkness into something positive rather than just killing people. And Broyles presents the theory that some people leave an indelible mark on your soul that can never be wiped away. While we're talking about this, let's check in on Walter and him uh, sort of seeing Peter everywhere, not knowing it's Peter. Just saying, oh, there's a man in the mirror and all that. Uh, He's covering pretty much every reflective surface. 
because Peter's there. And then when every reflective surface is covered, very end of this episode, he starts hearing Peter. Saying like, Walter, I'm right here. Help me. Walter, I'm right here. Walter. And is just slowly going nuts off of that. Those traces of Peter are still very much bleeding through. Some people leave an indelible mark on the soul. Could this be why Peter is slowly but surely coming back? Is this the reason? Maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, uh, we're done. That, that's the episode. That's the whole thing. It's, it's great. It, it's very, it's underrated. I wish Fringe fans talked about it more. It's phenomenal. It's a really, really phenomenal episode. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just to push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash ThomasClark, pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's not work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow, we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 3. Talk to you then.